0: Good evening, and welcome to Three Moves Ahead. I'm your host, Bruce Garrick. Tonight, we're going to talk about a game that's very dear to my heart, uh, happens to be the first GMT game I ever bought. It's called Silver Bayonet, uh, and it came out back in 1990. Um, And we're going to talk about it with Gene Billingsley, the founder of GMT Games, and Mitch Land, who is GMT Games webmaster and also a designer and developer for GMT Games. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks. So um, the reason that I asked you guys to be on the show is that um, this is 2015, believe it or not, and um, the Battle of the Iadrang Valley uh, happened in 1965 in November, and this is November 2015. So that's the 50th anniversary of the battle, uh, but it also happens to be uh, the 25th anniversary ...of the release of Silver Bayonet, uh, which happened to be um, one of the first uh, games that uh, GMT published. I guess there were three, uh, Operation Shoestring and um, uh, Airbridge to Victory and Silver Bayonet all came out in 1990. I remember specifically buying Silver Bayonet, um, but there is going to be a 25th anniversary edition of Silver Bayonet, which will be sort of a reprint and I guess a, a redesign I want to... I talk a little bit about what's going to happen with that and, and how that's uh, coming and what's going to be new and what people can expect. That was a project 500, uh, entry, and it has been well since, uh, met its target. Uh, I'm for full disclosure. I, they, uh, my money is involved in that. I have, uh, actually I don't think we've been charged yet, but it's going to be my, my credit card will be charged, uh, at the appropriate time. And, um, uh, I'm very excited. And I just wanted to I think that, you know, it's important that these, uh, you know, when I was growing up, Vietnam was, uh, you know, was not too far in the distance. And we were having, um, you know, we weren't even having 50th anniversaries, having like 40th anniversaries of uh, World War Two events and uh, 30th anniversaries. And now we've got the 50th anniversary of a of a major battle in uh, in Vietnam. So I thought this would be a good time to talk about it. So uh Gene, I'd like to start off with you because you designed the original game, I guess. Um uh if that's correct. So uh tell me a little bit well first of all, let's talk about um either one of you, I guess uh anybody that wants to, to take this one up. What was the Iadrang Valley battle in just in general terms? I mean it was a it was a big deal, in uh, nineteen sixty-five November. Um the uh the Americans and uh and the it, uh, it was, there was some Viet Cong activity, but it was a lot of uh, NVA activity, North Vietnamese Army regulars. Um, what, what what happened there? What, why is it a big deal? Why do we make a game about it?
1: The reason I was interested is I read a book by J.D. Coleman uh, called Play Coup. And I, I love Vietnam books. I've been fascinated with Vietnam since I was a kid. In Lemoore, California, the, the light attack base on the West Coast, wearing all my friends' dad's, MIA bracelets, you know, so the, Vietnam was real to me uh, back then, and I've always just had a fascination of of, of studying that war and, and what went on there. Um, so when I started trying to design a game, uh, I, I read this Play Coup book, and as I was reading it, I thought, man, there's like a dozen scenarios in this book. It sounds like a war game. It's really well written. Um, Coleman is the guy that wrote the after-action report for the first Cav. Uh, so The book, I highly recommend it. If you guys get a chance to pick up a copy, it's really cheap on Amazon nowadays. Um, Anyway, it was the first time that we deployed uh, an air mobile division, uh, and and air mobile tactics were developed basically on the fly in 1963 and 1964. And in 1965, President Johnson deployed uh, the first air cab to the Central Highlands, uh, what we called Two Corps in Vietnam. And that was an area that was dominated by the Viet Cong, and we had intel that there was an entire North Vietnamese Army division uh, that was planning uh, an assault toward Pleiku and later probably Khantoum in in the Central Highlands. So these guys deployed in, what was it, Mitch, October of 1965? Uh, 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 August. August. And and they actually got into the the campaign in in October, November uh, 1965. Um, and basically how it was going back then is the there were two special forces camps uh, where, where we had a bunch of special forces A-team guys and, and some what they called Delta back then, which is different than our Delta now, um, that ran a bunch of mountain yards and uh, mountain tribesmen trying to defend South Vietnam from the, from the North Vietnamese Army. And they were trying to attack these special forces camps. And what they'd do is they would attack them, but not overrun them with the idea that they wanted to lure the South Vietnamese Army uh, to, to come to their rescue, and then they would lay ambushes all along the way. It was kind of a tactic they started with the French back uh, in the French and the China War. And it was very effective. Uh, so the South Vietnamese asked us for help, and we basically sent the air Cav in. And air, mo- air mobility was a big surprise to the North Vietnamese. Uh, So their ambushes didn't really work. And we ended up chasing them across the central highlands there, across that plateau between Pleiku and and the mountains and the Cambodian border uh, for about a month, uh, which culminated really with the big battle um, at LZ X-ray, which is uh, where the movie and the book, We Were Soldiers, uh, came from. Mm -hmm. So it was about a month campaign, a little bit more, mostly American troops. First time we used helicopters. Uh, a lot of weird things happened. You know, some of our doctrine that we thought would work didn't work. Obviously lost, you know, several hundred guys in, in those two big battles at X-Ray and Albany. Um, so, so it wasn't just a huge victory for the United States. In, in a way it was, but it was a Pyrrhic victory, really. Um, but, but, you know, the North Vietnamese really didn't have a clue. Uh, about how to deal with helicopters. There's one story of them teaching um, their, their infantrymen to always lead the helicopters, you know, because they they didn't really know what a helicopter was. And so they, they had quick training. They said, okay, if you see a helicopter out there, always lead it, and, and then you'll hit it. And they have instances where we had helicopters that were hovering that were not hit by enemy fire because the enemy soldiers were leading the helicopters while they were hovering. Um, They just didn't really have an idea how to deal with them at that point. Of course, that changed very quickly. Uh, This battle set the stage for both sides to adopt, adapt their tactics. And, you know, for 10 more years, basically of, of pretty horrible conflict.
0: So, uh, so you decided that that would be a, um, uh, a great uh, game to or a great subject for a game you, you didn't have a game company at that time right you were <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that was a problem yeah
0: so so that was you, you decided that you were going to uh publish the game uh GMT games was born right about then right um that's right how how did uh how did you go about doing that i mean it's uh it's you well
1: i i loved Victory games and i loved 3 W or gdw and about that time both of them were pretty much shutting down. Right. So I didn't have have any games to play Mm. and, and Avalon Hill was making schmuck on a camel instead of Mm. the games I like to play mostly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I just had this crazy idea that maybe I could do this. Um, Boy, I really looking back now, I didn't really have a clue. Mm. Um, And so I had a couple of buddies that um, we played games together. We thought, Hey, we'll do this, you know? So I, I funded the company and we, um, We started working on it. One guy was kind of a draftsman, and one guy was a historian, and I was, you know, thinking I could be a game designer. And so we designed all, all three games, and then found out that the art we had was terrible. Hmm. And that's when I went down to Roger McGowan and said, "Hey, Roger, we got these three games," and you know, the rest was kind of history.
0: So, um, Mitch, you're involved in uh, in what the what. I guess we'll call the reprint, although it's kind of a, a reprint and redesign, right?
2: Um, more reprint than more, redesign, more reprint but, and redesign, but okay. there,
0: there are, there, are things that will be changing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I assume that, uh, well, the, the art that I have is not terrible, but you're <laughs> going to be redoing the art. Obviously. Um, uh, I've seen some interesting things on the, on the web before we talk about that. Um, how the game is a very interesting game. Um, I, I'm, I was just looking at the map here. Um, and I think that that something that uh, is it, that struck me when I bought the game was that I had bought a map that basically was just a big thing of jungle, and uh, not really sure what to do with it. And it was it seemed to me like it was it was almost like it was it was very effective, in that it I kind of felt like probably what the what the first cab felt like that there was just this big big thing of jungle, and there was probably going to be some some NVA in there somewhere. And I didn't know what to do about it, so you know I, I I fussed around with it for a while and kind of read the rules and and it was very difficult sort of for me to, to get a, a, a hold on a little bit um, couldn't really orient myself you know when you when you have a Battle of the Bulge game you kind of know okay well you know you're gonna here's the bulge or you know Omaha Beach here's the beach and Stalingrad well you got a big Stalingrad there, um, but Silver Bayonet is interesting because it's the Yadrang Valley. Um, and it's just it's just this kind of featureless terrain with a whole bunch of a whole bunch of villages and there's this this Massif. pong massive um and i feel like um you know there's a whole bunch of different ways to go about this um obviously one of the big things in this game was uh, or sorry in the game in, in the situation was that the U.S. really didn't. I don't think they really knew what they were getting into. I mean, they had this this intel about um, about this NVA division operating in this area, and then they set down at LZ X-ray, and all of a sudden they kind of got a lot more than they bargained for. Now, that can't happen, obviously, in the game because you you, you sort of know. I mean, that you, you're you're, you're... Playing a game about this battle that you know the outcome of and you know who was involved and you know what the I mean, I can look at the counter sheet and see exactly, you know, what units are in it. Um, how, Gene, I guess, how did you decide that you're going to try to preserve some of that uh, sort of the, the the operational sort of fog of war, yet have a have a game that you know everybody's gonna kind of uh, have all the have all the components in front of them and it's a sort of a known quantity?
1: Well, the, the way I looked at it is I wanted to, I'm kind of a systems guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've always loved, you know, like Mark Herman's systems. I, I love them because they're, they're just, they engage you on, on a system level aside from the history. So I built uh small scenarios to represent the, the various engagements during the campaign. And then I, um, but but what I really was after was a campaign game,
0: because
1: okay. I thought it'd be just really fun um, to to command the first cab over that a little over a month um, in a variety of campaigns mm-hmm. or, or in a variety of battles and operations, basically trying to find those guys. Right. You know, in, in some ways it was a bug hunt, and the the way I tried to deal with not knowing where they were was that that's where the hidden movement system came from. It's a little different hidden movement kind of system than you see in other games, so yeah you you can see the units in the counter tree, but you never really know where they are on the game map. You know they're out there somewhere, uh, but you don't really know where they are. would you say
0: that that's that that's comparable to what the u s kind of had in the real situation that they they knew they were out there, but they just didn't know where
1: yeah i I mean, I think for a board game, it was a fair approximation mm-hmm. okay um. And it's it's interesting
0: because the um, the game has the the way you do it, and you can describe it more in detail. But you basically have hidden hidden uh, hidden movement counters that are on the map, but then they correspond to a hidden movement sheet that you have. And those counters may correspond to you know an NVA field hospital or an NVA battalion, or it may correspond to nothing. Um, and then the U.S. it's up to the U.S. to kind of search those out and find out what they are. Um, There's a great mechanic where if you actually capture and reveal the field hospital, then you um, reveal and capture the field hospital, then the NVA has to kind of give up uh, 10 units of uh, or 10 counters worth of units uh, because that's a sort of intel failure. That was an actual thing that happened in the campaign. Um, The U.S. got a whole bunch of documents by capturing a field hospital. Um, Yeah, so... um, Talk a little bit, because there are a lot of ways you could have gone with that, right? I mean, you, you're having hidden movement, so you're already kind of blowing up the uh, the solitaire players. And, and and I should say that I think that at that time, I mean, even now people play a lot of solitaire. But back then, there was no Internet. You had no vassal. You couldn't play against people unless they kind of, you know, you had to put these, um, you know, those opponents wanted ads in the general. Or Maybe you were really lucky and had a war game club. You couldn't just have a meetup group and say, hey, I live in, uh, you know, uh, Graham, North Carolina. Hey, and then there's a guy, you know, there are three guys down the street that want to play too. So that's a big decision that you made um, about making hidden movement that way. How do, th- th- I'm sure there were other ways to do it and there were other ways that could have been even more sort of uh, hidden. Um, why did you choose that particular way?
1: Well, I guess one way to say it is I wasn't a very experienced designer at that point. So I'm not sure I really knew a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the... You know, I was a solitaire player uh, very much in my in my gaming, and so... I think everybody I was, weren't, weren't we? We were all... Yeah, <laughs> I, and so I, I wasn't unaware that there were problems with, with solitaire doing a, a hidden movement system, but the game had like eight scenarios that you could play solitaire. Mm-hmm. The campaign game was tough to play solitaire, and so in one of the first couple issues of Inside GMT... Now we have Inside GMT as a blog online. But mm-hmm. back then we did a couple of, of issues of little newsletters called Inside GMT. Mm-hmm. And in one of those, I, I put some solitaire hints in there to, to help players. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, there's no doubt about it. Anytime you have a hidden movement system, it's going to take the solitaire ability down. On the other hand, I have a high um, degree of confidence in virtually every wargamer I know has been lying to themselves consistently for <laughs> 20 30 40 years uh-huh. about you know playing both sides in the solitaire game so right. i think we're pretty good at, at figuring out ways to do that right
0: so so there's a, there are a bunch of systems in this game i mean so as a first time designer this is this is an interesting thing to talk about is you have this game you have uh, a, a, what's really a new doctrine at the time obviously at the time you made the game it wasn't but um you're sort of you're sort of trying to show uh, the United States using these new tactics. You have um, three sort of combat systems. There's a maneuver combat system, uh, and then there's an assault combat system, and then there's also bombardment combat. And you talk about how, and there's a point. You say in the rule book at one point that you, that these are all that the the key to the game is this interaction between these three systems. What what do you mean by that?
1: I was trying to create what I thought were the three dynamics of how combat happened. Um, in that campaign, um, the U.S. had really strong artillery and you know aerial rockets, obviously air power, um, a high degree of capability for indirect fire, um, and, and you know, ever since World War II, that that kills a lot of people, right? That that's a that's a big killer, but but you got to have guys on the ground to be able to direct it, right? So. The, the way things kind of played out is y- you had some hand-to-hand type combat, you know, what I would call in that system assault combat, and and when units come together in in frontal assaults and the kind of things that happen in Elsie X-ray and also uh, out at some of the um, the camps, then the casualty levels are high, and. But, but there's kind of another kind of combat that's going on. Remember, the scale here is a mile, hex right. a hex,
0: and a day. Well, it's, it, for the advanced game, it's, it's a day, right? It's actually shorter for, right. the, for the base
1: game. So, so what maneuver combat is representing is all that hide and seek, all that trying to outflank, um, where there, there may not be so much direct loss, but there's a lot of fatigue of the unit capabilities and you know we we call that a lot of different things today in games you know cohesion losses or efficiency losses or or whatever but but that's what's going on with that system and then i just try to create something where the player could use all three of those uh in in interesting ways uh to, to try to to mess with his opponent
0: so talk about talk about some interesting ways that you could for people who haven't played the game what what or people who have played the game and maybe haven't figured it out what 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 would you how would you how would you combine those things in an interesting way?
1: Well, so I'm not trying to evade your question mm-hmm. here, but I want to I want to hand this off to Mitch because okay. he's quiet. <laughs> okay, and, do it, and he's. He's actually run all the testing. He's probably actually in the last 20 years played this game more than I have. Okay. So this this might yeah. be a good place to segue to Mitch. I, right? I
0: I love that idea, Mitch. What do you what do you think about that question? How 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 are you gonna in 20 years? What have you found out about uh, the the Gene <laughs> yeah.
2: Billingsley system of war? Well, so just to clarify, we changed everything. Then oh no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> The uh, so the, the the real trick comes, and it's and it's kind of part of all the you know Airbridge has it, and Operation Mercury and and Shoestring also have it. You know mm-hmm. they have the bombardment and the assault and the maneuver mix all in there. But it, it really comes down to things like if you want to move somebody out of a hex, then you want to do maneuver combat, right? If you want to take the hex, you need to do assault combat. Mm-hmm. But then there are these things, these other things like combat refusal and um. um Combat reaction mm-hmm. or defender reaction. So combat refusal allows you to leave a hex that's mm-hmm. being attacked, and defender reaction allows you to move into a hex that's being attacked. And so all mm-hmm. these little systems work together. Right. And what what ends up happening is, if you really want to do something, then you need to do maneuver and assault against the hex. Right. And that's kind of
0: then you can't stops then you can't refusal, refuse. Right? Yeah, right. You can't
2: refuse uh, a exact. hex that's being both uh, yeah. uh, then, assaulted and maneuvered. Absolutely, but then the problem becomes so now you have to divide your forces right because only some of them can maneuver and only some of them can do the assault and you can't do both and the bombardment so there's offensive bombardment and then there's also uh, which is just straight you know you're pounding them with artillery to cause losses but then there's also the ability to support a maneuver combat with Mm -hmm. your bombardment or your air points which gives you you know die roll modifiers Mm -hmm. on your die either as the defender or the attacker so now if you're going to do offensive bombardment and a maneuver combat and an assault, you're kind of diluting some of your strength across that, but mm-hmm. that's that's usually the best way to find and fix the opponent and, right. and kill him. So, right. so the, All those kind of work together for that.
0: Right, and so I think what happens, I mean, <clears throat> what I found in the game um, was that as you sort of dilute, you spread your forces out, um, because the, that's the only way you're going to be able to cover enough ground for the hidden units to be able to patrol, right? But then as soon as you fix somebody, you've got to very quickly sort of reconcentrate concentrate or you have to... There's a lot of planning involved, I, I thought, at least when I played the yes. game, was that you you sort of had to know, okay, if I, if this is real, then these guys have to be able to, to very quickly concentrate on this hex. But if mm. it's not, I don't want to... I can't bank on that being real, so I kind of have to right. have these guys be flexible so that, you know, if, if, if these four guys, if any one of those is real, then... You know, I can sort of divide how how it's the most. It's it's yeah. it's a real optimization sort of efficiency and use of units exercise. I think.
2: Oh, absolutely, especially on the U.S. side, all the tools are there, right? You have you have the the uh, one nine observation guys, the um, they were the scouts, right? Mm-hmm, right. And you have to use them aggressively to go find those hidden or to. Uh, observe the hidden unit markers and find the guys that are out there. Mm-hmm. And then when you do, you reinforce and you attack or you do whatever you're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times what happens is there's, there's only so many observation helos and there's only so many patrols you can put out. And so, you know, you, sometimes the U S player tends to, or, or wants to put a single company out there to kind of poke the bear and see what's there, but then, you know, that's a single company and you just poke the bear and it's two battalions worth of guys and oops, you know, now you got a problem. And so you quickly reinforce. Now on the other side of that, the U S player has all the tools in the world to do that, right? Those helicopters can pick up guys and they can move and they can land. And, you know, you can pretty much quickly reinforce any point on the map that you want to. And so it becomes this running battle between the superior mobility and high firepower, u.s against the very slippery and and dangerous when cornered nva right
0: and i think that you know this is you know back in i mean we're talking about 1990 um but this is really asymmetric you know this is asymmetric gaming before asymmetric gaming became a thing right i mean (laughs) right you're sort of like oh these because the two sides play completely differently correct and uh and, yeah, you can't
2: and, you, you can't approach the NVA the same way you approach the US. Right,
0: you have to. It's a it's a
2: completely different mindset. You have to sort of
0: learn your unit's capabilities differently. Um, you have to be, when you're playing the NVA, it's much more sort of hide and seek, and then you're saying, okay, uh, watch him take this bait. Uh, you know, watch him take this bait. Oh, he's not taking my bait. Now, what do I do? Um, so. That's obviously really hard to do, uh, solitaire. But okay, I can see the <laughs> point that some of us have have done worse. Um, I guess playing flat top solitaire is probably the the, the ultimate uh, thing there. But um, so, it, what it, the game comes out and 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 uh, it has all these I thought were very interesting systems, and you obviously you had other games that had the same system. What, what was the what was the reaction at that time? Because I mean that that's a time where I, you know you couldn't just get on BoardGameGeek and see what people thought i mean i assume that GMT had uh, had feedback coming in and is 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 that uh, is that something you guys have thought about as you as you thought about a 25th anniversary reprint
1: oh yeah the you know we had feedback cards in every game that was back in the days of feedback cards mm-hmm. and we we were actually online in, in very early online venues you know genie and places like that right and so and i got a lot of letters from gamers back then uh, in fact, it's really cool that some of our customers today, I'll, I'll get a letter from one of those guys from the early days, and I'm like, wow, that is so cool. For 25 years, you know, they've been playing our games, and we've been friends. Because that's the best thing about this is your customers become your friends. The guys that you work with become your friends, and, you know, it's, you kind of build a big family over time.
0: So, so Mitch, you were – I mean, kind of instrumental. It sounds like in, in getting this you know whole thing to be even reprinted. I mean, what did you think? You're like, oh, we can just. I mean, we'll go get a big Xerox machine, just Xerox everything, and then just put it in, in new boxes, and we're done, right? Or I mean, what? What were you thinking?
2: Yeah, what, no, 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 no. Well, um, so originally, I kind of had approached Gene. I had an idea. I wanted to work on a Falklands War. Game hmm. and I wanted and I wanted to use this system to do it. I thought, I thought just you know preliminary analysis is like okay, yeah, this this could work there. Um, the whole assault maneuver mechanic and bombardment, you know, and uh, you know I started to look at the Op Mercury and, and Guadalcanal or shoestring rules for the for the naval side to see see how well that was would work. And I I thought it would work, and so I went to G and I said, hey, you know, here's what I want to do. And he said, you know, it's a really good idea, but. I have this really cool idea about let's hey let's do a 25th anniversary of Silver Bayonet, And I was I was 100% on board with that because I love the original game. Of course now, you know, we have this one. It's going to be way better. But uh-huh, uh, okay. Um <clears throat> so so we kind of went down that road. And then, and Gene, and I'll let Gene talk about it in a minute, uh, specifically going back to your original comment about the map and the jungle. And we'll, we'll talk about the changes there, but for, from a rules standpoint, it's, it's really been a more of a fine tuning of, so I went back and I read a lot of the comments and the reviews um, that have come out since on BGG and, and Consum world. And some of the older inside GMT stuff, the print versions and some of the comments there and, you know, talk to some guys that have played the game, and just just kind of dealt with each of the individual small criticisms that were there, and tried to just tweak things uh, in a direction that makes it makes it more interesting, right? So the the NVA feels more like what we all in our head think the NVA should feel like, and the US feels more like what the US should feel like in our head. And so we have that. That's why I said we have that. And you pointed out this dichotomy, this you know, asymmetric battle going on where each side is trying to do its own thing, and, and they're both approaching the game completely differently, even though they're limited to the same map, right, in the same yeah. rule set. Right. So.
0: so what does the NVA feel like in your head?
2: In in my head? Mm-hmm. So their, their, their primary method um, of of attack is the assault but they're very hard to pin down, right? It's easy for them to get away, and when they do get away, they hide, and then now you're not really sure where they are because you put some hidden unit markers down, and they could be under all of them, one of them, two of them, who knows, right? Because when I move them from hidden marker to hidden marker, I don't tell you that. I just move them on my little display sheet off to the side, right? And so even though I'm observing them constantly, I've also got some, hopefully, if I'm playing well, I have some dummies in reserve that I can plop down on the map and confuse and clutter the situation again. And so they're just – they're really slippery, and what they're really trying to do is work their way towards whatever their secret objective, whatever that happens to be. So, uh, you know, in the game, there's the automatic victory conditions. <clears throat> Some of those are um, location-based, right? And so if, if I've pulled one of those, then I want to either go to work right on it immediately or I want to kind of cause a distraction over here and then using hidden movement work on the, work on the actual – objective and then conversely you know the u.s has its own automatic victory conditions which are not going to be anything even remotely similar to what i have as the nba
0: so mm-hmm. yeah so that's interesting that just for the listeners the that you each side draws three of
2: those right think, for the full campaign game is yeah, three, yeah.
0: And three at the beginning of the game and uh if you get all three of your of your victory chits fulfilled then that's it the end you just flip them over say i did this 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 and game over so it, it kind of gives you that second level of um of of hide and seek cat and mouse because you don't really know what they're trying to do you don't know what their objective is so of course the objective is going to be kill the enemy guys um that you know because the, in the campaign you, you know from the from the last page of the book or so of the, the rule book that um you know the nva is going to get you know two points per village and you know i can't remember this like if they capture play right. coup, that's they get like ten points or something like that. So, so you know that. But then there's these other things that um, if you if you get them, then um, then you could lose and you didn't even know you were losing. So um, that that's. And I assume that that's trans. That's you're not changing that. You're not getting getting rid of that or anything like that.
2: Uh, the So the concept stays, automatic victory concept stays, some of the things have changed. So neither side was really concerned about holding villages at all. Okay. You know, as we as we can tell throughout the whole Vietnam War, mm-hmm. owning ground was not an important thing. Right. Okay. I mean, that's why we fought and refought and fought and refought for the same hill every every couple of months. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, it happened here. You know, a month or two previously, they besieged Daco the mm-hmm. and pulled out, like Gene was talking about, the whole lure and ambush, which was their kind of modus operandi. They pulled right. out the Arvin Relief Force. They couldn't get anywhere. So the 173rd Airborne Brigade came in um, and ran some patrols and kind of cleaned up the area a little bit. And then they pulled out. Well, and so what do you have? Well, a couple months later, guess what? They're back at it again. Only this time they're hitting play May instead of duck go. And we rinse, wash and repeat, right? Mm-hmm. So sure.
0: So, so, that, so I hear I hear changing victory conditions. So, so, tell me what's going to be tweaked there.
2: Yeah, so, for the for the most part, they're 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 very similar. Play may is still very important. So is duck Cup. So, Um But like taking villages isn't going to be as important. Destroying steps is still important. Although, if you're going to rely on a pure victory point victory, mm-hmm. you know um that's going to be hard to achieve cuz both sides had some pretty high targets mm-hmm. um but eliminating h the arvin or not i'm sorry they are the nva or hqs or the nva regimental hospital um for the us um and then primarily either you know for the nva it's killing capturing those two special forces camp camps or killing some steps or capturing Camp Holloway, which is very difficult, right? It's mm-hmm. the, it's a camp up in the corner of the map yes. or if U S puts the brigade HQ out, you can capture that, but right.
0: Yeah. Holloway is so way just, off, off the side, isn't it? I can't yeah, actually, well, I the, remember. Well, on the new
2: map it's, it's on, it's on the map. Cause we, we kind of, and I'll let Gene talk about that because that's his, that's his baby. Okay. Um, but we kind of we tilted the map a little bit, and brought, it brought Camp Holloway onto the map. So, Gene, I don't know if you want to give a little talk about the map work. Yeah. What well, do
1: you yeah, think about that? If, Bruce is, if Bruce wants that.
2: Yes, sir, please. Sir. Uh, well,
1: first of all, you know, any, anybody wants to get detail on it, we, we did an article on Inside GMT, which is a pretty in-depth look at how the map came to be. Uh, the The thing about the map and, and you know in any second edition, I'm really proud of the first one. For 25 years ago, you know basically I tried to make a game out of one book, and which is crazy by in so many ways, but I really felt like J.D. Coleman's book was a great uh, primer for a game and and so I used the maps he had in there. I used other maps I could find, but the maps we had back then that we had access to were terrible. Um, most of the good Vietnam maps were still classified. Really, or, 1990 or n- they were no. yeah, um, there was still no distribution uh, at the very least. And so, you know, basically, I took what I could find. You know, the original map that that we used we put together from a bunch of different maps, and 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 it's like you say, it was, you know, it gave you the feel of Vietnam, sort of uh, a lot of jungle and. And it, it served its purpose well in terms of uh, being the basis for that cat and mouse game. And and all the big stuff was in the right place. You know, 2 was where it was supposed to be, the, the special forces camps where they were supposed to be, they were the right distance from Pleiku, all that. But in ter- terms of the terrain analysis, it was basically terrible in, in my view. But I didn't really have any way to do better at the time. Uh, so that was kind of always on my list if If we ever did a new version of this, I wanted to do a real map uh, and a really good map for for this game. And so we got the opportunity and the The problem was um, as we we're looking for good base maps for this game and, and now you know you can it's pretty easy to find good maps nowadays with the internet, but we couldn't find the whole area. Uh, and mostly, we could find one to two fifty thousand, which is is not a really great scale um, to to go down to a, a mile a hex. So you lose a lot of detail on a, on those one to two fifties. What you really want is one to fifty thousand maps. And so, one day, Mitch sent me an email, and the headline of the email was "Treasure Trove," <laughs> and I was like, "What is this?" And and it was this. I think it was University of Houston, right, Mitch? Uh,
2: uh, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah,
1: it was it was a it was a place where there was an archive of all these 1 to 50,000 topo maps. And so we went and started looking and, and you know, there were probably a 100 of them to go through. And it turns out they, they all, it wasn't a complete list of Vietnam maps, but it had all the area we needed. So uh, the article kind of talks about how we did this, but it took a while to because even though the maps are the same scale, they weren't the same size. And I don't know why that's true, but it was true. Um, so so it required some scaling. We I obviously put these into a computer, into Adobe Illustrator, and started trying to come up with an electronic base map that we could give to our artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it took a few months, but um, I was able to get something I was really happy with. And like Mitch said, we kind of tilted a little bit to get some more things up around Pleiku, on on the other side of Pleiku, on the map that we didn't have on the map before. And there's some more uh up in the north central area that we didn't have before. That's kind of some interesting terrain. And since we did have a brigade HQ out there at Katika, um there's a possibility you, you could have had, you know, a drive on that up in that area. So players have that capability in, in this game as well. Um, but but I wanted more specific terrain analysis. And so this time you know, you have mountain jungle, and and you have hills, and you have um, the the various. What is it, Mitch? About ten different terrain types
2: now. Uh, eight, eight yeah, I was just trying to to trying to look at if you look at the TEC, there's like. 16 different rows, although some of them are like village, you know, and village uses other terrain, but there's, it's, it's much better than the, the, you know, I think what was there, there was jungle and light jungle and clear, I think and mountain jungle and the other one. So much more varied terrain.
0: Well, you got, no, you had, you had uh, clear, you had elephant grass, you had jungle, you had hill, um, river. And then yeah, you've got US base, fire base and there's thirteen, but yeah, right. there's Play fire base, US yeah, base, So, so there's a, yeah.
2: yeah, there's a there's a couple of mo- couple more, um, but it's, it's more varied. So where there's the great big swaths of jungle on the original map, Gene Gene did all that terrain analysis to figure out, well, you know what, that was really that was really more dense jungle versus light jungle versus a forested hills versus the the what we're calling uh broken, which is what more that elephant grass kind of deal um was. So So what you're going to see in this
1: map is a much more natural-looking flow of terrain. Um, If you take a look at the pictures on on Inside GMT, um, there's some pretty good ones. One of the entire map where you really get a sense. There's three or four um, large mountain uh, locations, and then everything else is hills and jungle, With uh, in the South Central area, a lot of the elephant grass areas. Um, But you look at it and you go, "Wow, you know that that really looks like you know because it is." That's we we did did the work this time. We had the maps to do it from, and I'm just really really happy uh, with how it came out because Charlie Kibler took the base maps that we put together and just, I mean, he went above and beyond what I. Imagined he would do, and and Charlie's a very skilled guy, but he did us right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a terrific map to play on.
0: So the um, you know the one thing I have to say about the about the 1990 map is that when I open it up, I mean the sort of the and this is not meant to be a criticism. It's just it 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 feels like 1965, just kind of the, the text and the sort of the drawings and you know because you see all these old maps uh or like the diagrams like the books that you see that like from 1975 uh you know 10 years after this the the people are you know it looks like it looks like they took a pen and a ruler and drew drew a box around something and then i mean and so it's very period so i I, I have to say that i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna miss that a little bit i actually do enjoy that but um i saw the pictures on the uh on the gmt website and i I do agree that uh, charlie kibler really did uh an amazing job so so mitch what what else did you feel
2: you had to fix about this game besides the besides the terrain <laughs> well f- fix is a strong word um, but definitely definitely more nuanced I mean one of one of the criticisms I, I heard repeatedly was it just that the gameplay was good so the people love the and the assault combat and the combinations and combat refusal and and the, the base systems were great one of the one of the major not major but one of the criticisms I kept kind of hearing over and over was yeah but it doesn't feel like Vietnam right Um even with the hidden movement and, and that kind of stuff. And so a lot of the changes are very subtle. So they are things like, you know, it's a, it's a little bit easier for the NVA and VC to do combat refusal. Um, they can slide through ZOCs where, you know, a US one of the, one of the air cav guys, they can't do that. Right. Delta and CIDG can, because that's what they train to do. Um, but the, the general grunt, you know, they once they hit a ZOC, they're stuck kind of deal. Right. Um, the, the, The other, I guess, big change is the, in the LZs, you know, in the original game, you're kind of, you weren't really limited limited, but, you know, there were the big LZs that were printed on the map and then, and then you could land in, in other um, hexes, but, but in a very limited manner. So what we kind of have done is introduced to two concepts, operational LZs and um, field expedient LZs and the field expedient LZ works kind of like it does in the base game. You just pick a hex and you land one company there and you're done. The operational LZ, there's actually a counter now and you can put it in you know almost any hex you want. Uh, it's listed on the on the TEC. You know, obviously Mountain Jungle can't support an operational LZ, but the fact of the matter is if you if once you start going over those topo maps like Gene was saying, there there were very few places that we couldn't have found an LZ large enough to take a you know a battalion at a time or over really that's interesting the course of a of a list I that's was, absolutely right yeah, yeah I so was,
0: yeah. yeah i was i was under the opposite impression i thought that they had such a hard time finding uh finding places to put people down that that's why uh x-ray was such uh, a yeah. so, so crucial yeah, in they-
2: some areas yeah in some areas absolutely right i mean the one of the big biggest things about x-ray so x-ray was you know a lot of people get the impression that it was kind of a surprise what happened and it was no surprise we knew they were there that's why we went to x-ray in the first place it was the closest lz to where we wanted to go right which was over by the chupang where we had seen people going where we had intel on where they were so that that's why they chose x-ray right um it just so happened that we kind of underestimated what was there <laughs> so in the and the speed Yeah, we didn't response, know there full NVA regiments right and the speed of their response was phenomenal you know the NVA commander w- was quick on the draw and just started hitting them and you know it was just kind of became a who could predict who was going to be where next kind of deal um and you see a lot of that in the movie, you know, when, when they they're landing, which they compressed a lot of time into the into the space of the movie, but yeah, well, the if you read movie, the book I, you get the feel. Yeah, I'm not I'm
0: not a big fan. Of, I mean, the, the movie is the movie is great, but I mean as far as historical yes. accuracy, I just like, okay, whatever. I'm not yes. taking anything
2: for any I mean, it's, it's just it's oh, entertainment. It, it and was it's great. A great movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely great movie, but it was a movie nonetheless. But right. yeah. Right. So so this
0: so so what I guess what you're saying is you made the NVA more slippery and you see, so you made the Vietnamese more slippery and the U.S. less slippery, um,
2: and more mobile, right?
0: and, and, and yeah. more mobile. Um, it, so you must have. So how many times have you played this game now? and the in its new in its new form,
2: uh, <laughs> all the little scenarios. I mean, at least. 20 times in the last couple months. I mean, not the big campaigns, right? The small scenarios, we're concentrating on those first, making sure those feel right. And then I've played, I'm in the middle of one of the smaller campaign games right now. And a couple other guys are playing some of those. So, I mean, all told there are probably four or five of those going on right now. Okay. All
0: right. And so if you, I mean, if you're playing the game, can i just am i going to be able to to just sit down and and kind of scan through is there going to be a thing where it says oh you know if you if you play this game already or if you own the game this is the these are the changes mm-hmm. is it that simple or am i going to have to read the rule book again
2: um i i mean i i, I plan on putting together in fact gene and i were just talking about it before we we got on here i plan on putting together a little hey here's here's kind of the the short list of of what we changed um my guess is you if you haven't played in a while, you'll probably need to read the whole rulebook, otherwise you might be able to just skim it using the, you know, here's the release notes kind of deal, and and your knowledge, previous knowledge of the game. The core mechanics, it's still maneuver combat, it's still assault combat, it's still bombardment, it works the same way. The SOP's been, the sequence of play's been tweaked a little bit um, just to to um, give it a, a different kind of a feel, but other than that, there's, there's a whole lot that's different in that sense it's all it's all little things like like i said who can move through a zoc and who can't right before it was just when you hit when you stopped so mm-hmm.
0: so how if, if i wanted to play let's say i'm a say i'm a, uh, an experienced player how long is it taking you guys to play through a campaign i want to play the whole campaign how much time am i setting upside
2: uh well the full campaign is you know 30 something turn thirty thirty nine 39 turns and that that's I won't lie, that's going to take a while. <laughs> um, but the, the the smaller ones range from, I think I think it's eight turns to 19 turns, uh, 18 turns, something like that. Um, and the eight, w- once you're familiar with the game, I'd say it'd probably take you three hours max to get through the shorter, small campaign game. Um, maybe four or five for the larger one. And a lot of it kind of depends on how much... F- combat you're actually doing like if you if you if you can't find the nva you're not going to be doing a whole lot right that turn's going to go really fast um and then so you're going to kind of have that and the the nice thing about it is with the automatic victory conditions you you may not necessarily go the whole distance right as soon as you achieve it you can you can quit kind of deal so right well, I hope that's, that's... Um, now the smaller scenarios you could play two or three of those in a night really the well, standard what, ones
0: what are you calling a night?
2: Yeah. You, you, uh, you,
0: you Coming coming over for dinner and then staying till till uh, 6 in the morning, going to work? Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, so the LZ x ray which I think is probably the one most people are going to want to play a uh-huh. lot of, right? Yeah. It's four turns. When you're familiar with the game, you can knock that out in an hour easily. Huh. And then you can switch sides and play, and
0: play it again. Interesting. Okay. Well, the, um, you know, there, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in this game that, uh, you know, I... I really enjoy um, just the kind of, you know, the, the, the multiple sort of, uh, you know, interfaces where you have, you know, movement, you have defender reaction. Um, you, you sort of have, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think the reaction move, it sort of gives it this idea, this feeling of, uh, of, you know, dynamic, you know, you're interacting with, with the stimulus. So the guy comes in, you can, you can move, you can try to pin him down, mm-hmm. but it, but it all feels like, um, you know, especially with the uh, with the hidden movement. I mean, there's there's one way to fix that, and that one way to fix it is to make it digital. I mean, was there any thought of that you guys were gonna gonna try to do that? Um, I mean, I, I'm uh, you know, you have like Night Fighter is a game that uh, that GMT um, uh, is you know making digital. Um, it this is this is a perfect this is a perfect uh, candidate for, for making all movement hidden. I mean, it would change the balance hugely. That's that's the problem. What, what do you think about that possibility, or is that is that something? I mean, because when you when you put a new system in like that, it can it can completely blow the whole game up, right? I mean, it makes it makes the NVA much much easier to play because then now as the U, as the US you're just looking at sort of blank jungle until you until you find something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think that question has Gene written all over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You know, something like that. You'd have to really revisit how how the intel function works, right? And, and I kind of alluded to that before. Is that you know when the Cav moved in, they didn't they didn't go in blind. We had had we had the CIDG guys out there for a while, and they ran patrols all the time. Delta was out there all the time. We didn't know exactly where guys were. We didn't know you know, and and the NVA was really good about, so it might be the 32nd regiment, but they might've shown up as, you know, B415 and then later changed their name to something else. And and so somebody knew who they were, but we, we might've been getting conflicting reports about who was really there. We we probably had a general sense of who was there, but the, the, but the E-drang is so big and, and, you know, you'll get that sense once you hit the map and you're like, well, yeah, I got, you know, three observation flights. I got to find 25 hidden markers. How's this going to work? But, Uh, so we kind of knew what the score was, but we didn't know exactly. And then as, as the operation built, so the first part of the campaign really was more about about finding them after we ran them off of play May and trying to fix them. And then the, the problem, so the funny thing is we actually were so fast that we couldn't find the nva because we would jump so far ahead thinking they had gotten to this point you know whatever four five miles away but they're so slow because they're used to running from the arvin not from the helicopters they hadn't quite reached that point and so we would think we'd missed them right so we'd get everybody back on the helicopters leave and then the nva would come through two hours later kind of deal right so it was a lot of hit and miss of trying to find them as both sides were feeling out their tactics on well if, if we knew here he they were here we know their tendency is to go West along these trails, it's been three hours, oh, we think we're there, let's go find an LZ and drop there kind of a deal. We hadn't quite figured that out yet, right? And conversely, on their side, the the NVA after play May, they were so fragmented and scattered, a lot of them just kind of broke into small three- or four-man teams and went 50 ways from Sunday trying to get back to um basically back to the chupong right and and once once we stumbled across the hospital we got a much 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 better idea of where things stood and where guys were and what was going on and that's what kind of led us to x-ray right so you get that feel very much but the and the problem is right now that's kind of built into the hidden movement marker mechanic and and how the patrols and things work so if you went digital and you kind of took that off the map you'd have to somehow build that uh, intelligence gathering piece back in, right? Make glimpses of guys as they move, or, or however that works, you know. Right. Well,
1: yeah, it sounds to me like, yeah, like, I think, yeah, I think go ahead. It would be an intel system redesign.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you
1: know, but on the other hand, Bruce, um, we will have a vassal module, and so in terms of two players being able to play on vassal and leave this thing set up as long as you want for a campaign game, yeah, we're going to have that capability pretty much right out of the box. Right
0: right no vassal i mean vassal makes makes uh you know makes anything possible um but it's it's interesting to me because it sounds to me like having just sort of a uh you know a a blank slate look at this jungle we wonder what's out there is actually not a really historical way to look at the situation and so that's correct what, what you would do is you would have to sort of say um i mean digitally you could sort of paint anything on the map that you wanted right you could sort of give a uh, you know assign ID, ids to various units and then kind of say well there's somewhere in this you know shade like a certain area and then shade a certain area mm-hmm. and then as your intel got better that that shading would would narrow um uh and then you could obviously have have the possibility of completely wrong intel right so i mean there's there's ways of doing that but it would like you said it would be a com- you'd have to completely redesign the intel system and then try to balance right.
1: it right. um yeah, I guess- what was going on, Bruce, is, you know, we, we were actually the first cab was actually subordinate to South Vietnamese uh, in this in this area. We, we weren't in charge. Um, and and the key intel pieces actually came to us, one from the hospital, like Mitch talked about. But the South Vietnamese actually got radio direction finding hits that led us to the Chupong. And they don't get a lot of credit for that in uh, American written history. <laughs> so
0: the, you're saying that the, the the South Vietnamese did the did the initial intel for us? That's right. Huh. Well, is that in the game?
1: Well, let's say
0: it's factored in. Okay, factor in. That's the, the, the <laughs> standard wargamer answer. We've we factored it in. There it's there it in the <laughs> uh. So so when when am I when am I playing this game? When 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 is when am I uh, when am I looking for the mailman?
1: Well, I don't think Mitch wants to answer that one. So no I'm talking to you there, Gene. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna punt that one to Tony, but <laughs> I'm I'm saying sometime first quarter.
2: Okay. All right. So yeah.
1: so it's it's not it's not a Christmas present for anybody. No. Okay.
2: Our right, our yeah. great our great hope and our, our absolute intent was to try to get it out right now, mm-hmm. during the actual fiftieth anniversary of the right. battle, right? Right. It just you know the map work – and this is not a ding by any means because you heard how Gene described it – the map work took a little bit longer than we thought. And then as testing went on, we kind of changed some of those – or didn't change. We added some kind of different subsystems for how other things work, like the new LZ thing. And, and so the <laughs> testing – kind of went a little sideways so we kind of had to reset our expectations of when we we're going to have everything fully tested and i don't i don't this game you know it's important on a lot of different levels um and i don't want to say it's more important than any other game but it kind of feels that way so i want to make sure that we have all those basics and right that all the i's dotted all the t's crossed on it
0: yeah well i mean i think to to me just this and this is just my opinion and it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody shares it but it seems it feels to me like you have a game that was uh, you know, basically, one of the very first games. I mean, it came out simultaneously with us, but uh, you know, the first GMT game uh, in that in that sort of uh, graduating class. And now you're doing a 25th anniversary edition and a 50th anniversary of the battle, and it it would just be a a nice sign of how successful GMT is and has become as a company and and sort of. What it means to the to the rejuvenation of the hobby to have it come out and just be, you know, really, really well done with, with without with, with all that attention to de- detail, because I got to say, um, you know, I remember 1990 and I felt like and I think Gene kind of even mentioned it at the time to- when he was t- in the intro in 1990. I felt like I wasn't sure I was going to have a hobby in 10 years. I felt like I got these games from you know, like you said, the Avalon G- GDW was gone. Um I think three w wasn't wasn't around um, you know people were sort of we were I was stuck I was seeing these computer games that were coming out but they didn't seem i, I remember playing like computer harpoon and thinking oh you know is at some point is anybody even gonna want to play these board games with me um, and then this new company started and I thought, well, that's crazy i mean who who the heck is starting a new board game company. I mean, nobody's buying these board games as it is. And then, what an idiot. yeah, I mean, who, what are they thinking? I mean, <laughs> sorry, sorry for their money. And then, you know, five years later, we've got, you know, a web browser. And then, you know, five years after that, I've got, uh, you know, Vassal or actually less than five years after that. Or, or That was just Squad Leader at that time. But then pretty, you know, pretty quickly it became something. And then and then now, you know, we're 25 years after you know i i got this um i got this game and it, it seems like the hobby is just like i mean it's better than when i was you know when i was a kid or when i was in, in high school or college um you know i can play with anybody anytime almost and mm-hmm. and the games are so it just it feels like the games are so much better um because you know design is so much more sophisticated we're not just you know saying okay well this guy we're just going to boil this guy, the guy down to seven attack factors and this guy's got four. So we're going to have a deck that, that's best he can get is, uh, you know, one to one against Eight. this guy or yeah, right. three to two with, again, and and, and,
2: and, with an, with an AE
1: result, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, you, you know. know, Bruce, that's, that's really um, one of the reasons we want to take our time with this because in a way, I mean, I didn't think about it this way when we started doing it, but in a way I want this game to show the difference between then and now with, with G T. You know, so we didn't want to rush it out and 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 screw up the testing. You know, I, I want people to look at it and go, wow, you know, GMT did good games back then, but look at what they can do now. Um, I, I think that's I, I think it's a good way to show how our hobby is advanced, not just GMT.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, t- tell me, tell me, Mitch, I, w- I want to hear what kind like, of what kind of issues just as we're getting to the end of this. I want to know. What kind of stuff comes out in testing something like this? Like, okay, here's this game. It was made 25 years ago. Uh, we're gonna redo it. Okay, now we got a new map, and now we're gonna. So, what do you start thinking? Oh gosh, you know, this is. We gotta fix this part of the game because we we mm-hmm. now can see that this part is not quite
2: right. Right. Well, and that's it's, why, like I like I said, the, I mean, the basic system is very strong. Um, a lot of people have loved it for for a lot of years, and so we're we're I, there was no tinkering there right some of the some of the drms on the various types of combat might be changing just a little bit um but the basic essence of it there it's more revolving so these like the new uh, landing zone rules you know or the early version of that didn't really have any restrictions. It was just, well, you can have two types and you can put them here. So players would plop down three operational landing zones right next to each other. Oh, well, okay. We should probably rethink that, right? Cause it's, it's just kind of not kind of how it worked. So, um, you know, we're, we, we we have gone through three or four, maybe even five iterations of, of, of an ambush rule, because, you know, that's, that was kind of the primary <laughs> right. VAVC mode of doing it's things. The ambush, ambush rule didn't work. Yeah. The first one was horrible. Oh my God. <laughs> the first um, rule you said? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I, I gave him an ambush rule and I thought, Hey, this is a really great idea.
2: And Mitch came back later and said, uh, Gene, it doesn't really work. Very yeah. well. I mean, so the funny thing is, is it worked, it worked and it did what it accomplished. It just, it took, it took way too long mm-hmm. and, and the, it kind of didn't meet the game. So one of the overriding uh, goals of some of these early games too, was ease of play. Right. Right. Um, and so what we were, I was diving into, you know, coming from the next war series mindset going, Oh, we need to do this roll modifier and you got to mm-hmm. count this. And you got to do this and do this. And finally, one of the places just said, dude, <laughs> this is not Korea. You gotta, you got to back off. Right. Um, so we we kind of and then we we went through different variations on that particular rule and now we've gotten it down to where it's it's captured the essence of it and it actually turns out that it's it's pretty easy to to use and and work with and and so that that's really the kind of what's coming out now is just as we're changing these minor small things it's the ripple effect right well what else is it affecting now in some of those core rules and how do we make sure that it, it's not a game changing impact right. so
0: yeah, I think that that kind of thing where you say, where you say, "Oh gosh, you know this 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 ambush rule is taking too long," I think maybe thirty years ago people would say, "Well, I, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Does it does it does it adequately simulate the thing that we're trying to simulate?" <laughs> right. And if so, the answer was yes, then you are like, "Boom, put it, it in." That's it. You're you're, exactly.
2: you're a genius for 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 simulating exactly. that, right? So, well, and the funny thing is, the rule that we end up with does the same level of simulation. It's just a, a much more condensed way of doing it, right?
0: So it's, it's interesting that, that you know, you can have, you can look at games this way and sort of see how how you even think differently about, I mean, I know I, I thought differently about rules. I mean, I've never designed a game, but, I, but when I read rules and what I liked and what I didn't like has changed in, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. last 35 years that I've been reading Wargame rules. So um, I think that it's interesting to see how you guys kind of develop a game for now, um, and, and, you know, I've got a copy of Silver Bayonet here and I'm going to get my new one and I guarantee I'll pull them out together and just kind of sort of, well, cause that's, that's what we, we sort of, um, like to see how, how things have changed and how we've changed. And I, I think it's kind of, it's almost like a mirror for the hobby. Anyway, I'm getting philosophical, but anyway, that, that I, it's, that's kind of part of why, and for the listeners who are listening, I mean, this is part of why I, why I chose this topic and wanted just to kind of reminisce a little bit um i'm really happy that the game's coming out and when i heard about it i was like well, gosh I, I would never have thought of doing a reprint of silver bayonet in this way but gosh what a great idea so um i'm excited so you guys better not screw it up that's all i gotta say <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so. thanks Bruce. okay no problem all right well uh, i think we've gotten to the end of our time so i really appreciate you guys uh taking this uh this evening uh, to talk about the game, I'm very excited about it. Um, we will be looking for it after the holidays sometime, and uh, and and I'll I'll definitely let you guys know what I think, um, and uh, <laughs> and hopefully it'll be good. But uh, but thanks a lot for guys for taking your time. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. All right, thank you,
2: thank you.